You're listening to a DM podcast. There we go. We are underway. G'day guys, welcome to Talking League. We're a weekly NRL fantasy podcast. I'm your host TK and in the house tonight we've got Corbs. G'day Corbs. TK, how are we doing? Doing really well. I'll glad a little bit later in the show. But also, our main man, injury experts, Mr. Phil Bullos. Phil, g'day, mate. Hey, guys. How are we? All right, guys. So today on the show, we're going to start the show with Physio Phil because he's got some great insights into some key injuries ahead of round 18. And then me and Corbs will give our round update and also a few trade targets for the next round. But Phil, before we get you in, Twitter, physio underscore Phil B, or you can find him at Elsie Street Physio, which is in Burwood. So if you're looking for a great physio, hit him up. That's lcstreetphysio.com.au. But Phil, first things, you know, everyone on a bit of news as well, Nathan Cleary, he's making good progress on his shoulder injury. A lot of people have sold him now in fantasy, both Supercoach mm. and NRL Fantasy. Firstly, what did you do? I'm sure, I'm assuming that you had him in your team. Um, yeah, so I've kept him. Um, just because um, I think he, they may push him back sooner if he's traveling well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not a massive classic player. Like I said, I'm more the draft okay. type player. So um, I'm not going great in my classic team as it is. So I've sort of <laughs> <laughs> just held on to him as like a, uh, as a, like a last roll of the dice in case he comes back early. But yeah, look, I, I've, kept him um, just in the hope that he comes back a little bit early if the Panthers struggle a little bit. I was hoping they lost today. That might have pushed him back a bit earlier, but yeah, uh, they just they held on at the end there. Yeah, Phil, with the nature of the injury, like yourself mm. as a holder, like in NRL fantasy, this guy averaged 96. When he comes back, what is the restrictions that's going to have on his game? Yes, this is an interesting one um, because with a a subluxation and and an injury like he's had it's the main issue is really instability and uh, the likelihood of it redislocating or subluxing again yeah so it's not it's not really a super painful injury a lot of times with these um once the initial inflammation and everything settles um they can be quite pain-free the main issue is that the shoulder is unstable which means that it's very likely to get re-injured or it's highly likely to get re-injured. So in terms of if if his shoulder doesn't re-dislocate or if he doesn't sublux his shoulder, it doesn't come out of place, if they can stabilize it, it won't affect him too much. I've had a lot of my players who have delayed this surgery to the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And that's hard because I haven't seen his scans, I haven't seen his shoulder. So it depends on how much of the labrum or the cartilage is torn. Um and how well he can get his function back in terms of stabilizing his shoulder. If he can do that really well, a lot of times pain managers don't issue. They won't even needle or anything for this type of injury. It's more so trying to stop from redislocating. So with my guys who have come back, a lot of times they perform quite well mm-hmm. um, until you have that one freak accident or incident where they just get into an awkward position and that's where they're more likely to uh, redislocate or sublux their shoulder again. Okay. And that's the big issue. So I'm not actually, I don't think it will really affect his production too much. Um, the most common way that these redislocate is, is obviously in a tackle when they sort of misjudge and the player gets past them and they hang their arm out a little bit. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, or the other really common one is when you're trying to reach out to score a try and the player sort of lands on top of you as you're reaching out to score the try. So in terms of his general uh, his general play and his passing and all that sort of thing, it's not going to be affected at all. Um, it's really just those couple of situations that he gets into where it's likely or more likely to re-dislocate. Okay, nice. Corbs, anything on theory, mm. mate, before we move on? Yeah, well, this is an interesting one. What, what about the... It'll be a big confidence thing. That's with all injuries, yeah, Phil? Yeah, that's right. That's the big thing. Look, and, and um, you know, that's where I don't think they will rush him back. They'll probably get him doing a fair few contact sessions in training first. Not a fair few. He'll do a couple in training first um, so that he's got a bit more confidence in it. Um, he'll have a fairly heavily strapped um, and he'll be doing heaps of strength and stability work on it. But definitely, especially in that first game or two, uh, you know, there's going to be confidence issues. Mm. Um, but like I said, the good thing is that a lot of times there's not pain issues. It's more so that stability and your confidence around, is my shoulder actually going to stay in place? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I said, for him, I mean, if it was someone, uh, you know, like he's quite a good defensive half, obviously, but, you know, it's still not as uh, likely to really re-dislocate for someone, you know, maybe like an edge back role or a center where they're constantly making a lot of one-on-one tackles and, and having to reach and that sort of thing. So I'm hopeful that we get through the season. Phil, what's the reoccurrence rate, do you feel? Oh, it's really hard to say because we don't know how much damage is done to the shoulder exactly. Yeah. If I can, if I can elaborate a little bit, basically the main issue is the shoulder socket, if you imagine it uh, like a golf ball on a tee. Yeah. So the tee is this the socket of the shoulder and then the arm bone is the ball that sits on top of the tee. So basically what the cartilage around the rim does, it's called the labrum. It deepens the tee. So there's more room for the ball to sit on. So the ball becomes more stable. So if you've torn some of that, it makes the socket a little bit more shallow. So it makes it more likely to come out. Now, if it's torn, say 50%, it makes it really unstable. If it's only torn 20 or 25%, Sometimes you can get away with it. Um, so that's really the big thing. So, you know, if you've got 50% of that cartilage torn, it's a very high reoccurrence. You know, you're talking upwards of 50%. If it's less than, um, you know, it's much lower. And that's a tricky thing where we don't have all of that information. So yeah. you're really taking a punt super coach-wise or fantasy-wise um, because we don't have all that information. And that's the tricky part. Yeah. Phil, do you reckon he'll have to have surgery end of season regardless? Yes, he'll have surgery either way. Yeah, yeah it's too okay. risky to play a contact sport without it. If he was, you know, if it was a, a just a regular lay person, sometimes they can get away with it. It was a free act if it was a freak accident. But the likelihood if he plays, you know, the rest of his career, he's gonna at some point get into a position where he redislocates. Okay. Corbs, anything else before yeah. we move to Reed? Oh, it was just a good segue, bringing in the golf. Did you want to talk about your good game of golf today, Phil? <laughs> well played. I, did have a, I had a cheeky first 15 holes. My last three ruined it a bit. But yeah, I did. I wanted to bring that up. That was nice. That was a good segue. <laughs> Happy with that. <laughs> nice. Now, moving on, Reed Marty, Phil. Like, he had a more minor, very similar mm. to Nathan Cleary, but minor. But yep. he was still out for six weeks when you include the Paramount had a buy. So... Round 13, he did it. He came back on the weekend. Looks ultra yeah. impressive, but mm. the biggest thing is, and some of the things that you've just said there, like Reed defends in the middle. So him yeah. having to, you know, have more exposure to the sort of things that you just showed us, 
mm. considerably high. So is he more at risk than Nathan Cleary? Um, yeah, I think obviously because he's probably making close to 50 tackles a game, whereas Cleary's maybe making 25 to 30 max. So that automatically yeah. puts him in more situations to have it happen. But in saying that, he's probably not taking on the line as much as Cleary does normally either. So I would say he probably is slightly higher risk, but he looks really good. And it, it seems like he's really strong mm. um, and he seemed quite confident in it. So um, that six-week mark is usually good. I find with some of my players, if we rush them back for finals, say, and it's in three weeks or four weeks, they can be a bit underdone. Okay. And that last couple of weeks of rehab really pushes them over really well. Corbs? Yeah, I, well, I, I, I got it wrong because I th- was thinking Marnie was going to be a lot um, less effective in the middle, but he mm. just sort of picked up where he left off, which was good. Yeah. Um, but now it puts me in a pickle if I was to bring him in because now he's, he's in contention because, yeah, he was, like TK said, he was good on the weekend. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that I was saying with Nathan Cleary as well is that with these guys, quite often they're not in a lot of pain. It's it's It's... Uh, their shoulder's fine and it's just one accident which causes the instability episode. So a lot of times they'll be playing and they'll almost forget about it because they're not in any pain. It's not it's not hampering them. Um, so they'll actually play quite well, but then they just get in one position and bang, that's that's when it goes. Okay. Phil, if you were down on trades and you only had a couple of trades left, but you had to pick out of either Reed or Nathan, who would be the most likely you would pick as a fantasy coach? Um, probably Reed because he's already done his his uh, his six weeks rehab, you know. Whereas Nathan, okay. like I say, if they stay conservative with him and push him to that six weeks, which is probably the smarter thing to do, I think that brings him to something like round twenty. Is that right or twenty one? Yeah, they're looking twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. So that round twenty one, um, you know, that six week mark, I think, is where they'll probably try and um, put him into. So I mean, Reed's going to get two or three good games in before then. Yeah. Um, so. It's probably worthwhile bringing in if you're short on trades. If you've got a lot of trades, you can obviously try and bring clearing in later. Yeah. If that's at all possible with the cash. But yeah, that's the just because Reed's already looking good in that in that time span, I think he's the way to go. Nice. I like that. Now moving players, let's check out well, the realistic thing, we're gonna talk about Torhu Harris and his shoulder injury, but the poor yeah, fella's done his AC. ACL now. His ACL. Yeah. But yeah. it's it's probably good just to get some education because earlier in the year we had you when Ryan Pappenhausen was still playing and you were talking about him mm. probably needing rest during the year and he's got a yes, lot of more right. rest for something else. But the AC yeah, joint, right. Chad Townsend didn't look great today in terms of his passing no. ability. Can we just get a little bit of education mm. on the restrictions of an AC joint injury? Yeah, so the funny thing with AC joints is that long-term, they have less implications than something that like Nathan Cleary did with a shoulder instability. But short-term, um, they can be a lot more painful and hindering because... Um, basically AC joints are affected by two things and that is direct contact onto the point of the shoulder yep. um, or, or, or what we call compressive forces um, th- through the AC joint. So that happens quite commonly when you're coming across your body, so reaching across your body, like when you're doing a long pass and you've got to reach across your body yep. or squeezing right up into that position up above your head. Um, so... You know, in terms of footy, that happens quite a lot. So if you've had a high grade, I was very surprised that Townsend played today um, and he didn't look great. He looked like he was struggling to pass a little bit as well mm. um, because it's really hard, I find, with those guys. They're, they're fine on the shorter passes, 
when they've got to get any power behind and get that arm across their body, they really struggle. And then obviously with the contact side of things, a lot of times the needling and the padding helps a lot more with the contact because it sort of numbs it to touch. But when you compress the joint, the needle's not as effective. So the passing is still, still affected a bit. Okay. Corbs, anything on this one, mate? So in moving forward, is Chad going to mm. see similar? Like that's going to be him going forward really, isn't it? Yeah. Look, he'll get, he'll get better week by week because he'll be doing no contact at training. And um, so every week he'll get a little bit less sore unless he really has a bad re-aggravation during the game. So if he gets through the game relatively unscathed, and he doesn't re-aggravate it, um, then, you know, he's likely to get better week by week. Like I said, this was for a grade two um, AC joint, and his was really traumatic. Like, his looked really painful. So for him to play today is a really short turnaround. And normally they're closer to that three or four-week mark before they come back. Okay, nice one. Now, moving on, Ryan Pappenhausen, like, he's, he's been out with concussion for, for quite a long time. I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit. For the guys that you have in your team, what, what generally now in terms of, especially with contact work and their return to play, is there a, like a rule there at all, Phil? Yeah, so it's all about, it's all about symptoms. Um, so the interesting thing with this, I think, is that obviously with all the latest research that's come out, through the NFL and then it's it's coming into Australia now as well about the long-term effects of concussions on your brain. I think that players are thinking about it a lot more and they're a lot more aware of it. Yep. Whereas in the past, even you know five or six years ago, um, players would get a concussion and as soon as they were symptom-free or the headaches would get a little bit less, um, they'd come back and play straight away because we didn't have this information about the long-term effects and it wasn't playing on players' minds. Whereas now I think because we know about it, players are a lot more aware of their symptoms. So um, they're thinking about, okay, am I getting headaches? Am I getting dizzy spells? Um, Is my memory okay? You know, all of these things. And I think that plays on their minds. So then all of a sudden there's a big confidence issue um, in terms of coming back. So the big thing that the science says is it's all about symptoms. And the only person who can report these symptoms to us is the player themselves Mm. it's not like um, a knee where we can test it to see how strong it is we don't have tests for these things it's basically the player goes for a run and they report whether they have headaches for their dizziness or anything like that or the player does a contact session they report whether they have symptoms so that's what it's really down to is okay is he symptom free for a long enough period and then does he have the confidence to go into full contact situations? Um, so obviously with Ryan, he's posted a couple of things on Twitter and, and whatnot about, um, you know, him getting back into training. But I think there may be some big confidence issues there um, because if he's been training for as long as he's reported and hasn't come back to play yet, I think a lot of that might be um, some confidence issues and whether he's a little bit worried about about his long-term health, yeah. which is fair enough as well. Oh, definitely. Corbs, anything on pups, mm. man? Oh, I wouldn't be real confident the way Hines is playing either. I'd just stay yeah, there so it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't look like I'm going to lose my spot. Yeah, it's not a massive rush to come back at all, is it? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, backing that up, I think um, mm. the Cheese put something up saying um, that, yeah, when he's ready to play now, it, it's just up to him now. So I think that sort of backs up yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. That's definitely what it sounds like to me. I think, I think the medical staff 
you know, have cleared him to train. And it's just about him getting confidence. Um, you know, and they said that they mentioned something about him having um, headaches before and trying to strengthen his neck and that sort of stuff. And that's quite common. Uh, you can get something called cervicogenic headache, which is very common after um, concussion or head injuries as well, which is basically a headaches which stem from the base of the skull or the top of the neck. So basically where the muscles of your neck join into the base of the skull and they can cause um, headaches and dizziness as well. So it sounds like he's been doing some work on that as well. So there's a few factors going on. So yeah, I hope he's okay. And I hope he's okay going forward, you know, just in terms of confidence. All right, moving on to the next player. He's a little bit of a strange one here, Phil. Sean Johnson. Now I've got on a good mm. authority from the Sharks that he had injured his shoulder, uh, sorry, not his shoulder, his knee prior to the mm. Warriors game a couple of days before captain's run. Now, He's intentionally given up the goal kicking. He's doing a lot less general play kicking. While he's running at the line, he's not engaging the line or taking any contact. Just on that sort of information that we've got, that he's literally restricting all that but still being able to play, what would you say that he's, the nature of his knee injury is? Yeah, it's a really tricky one to say. I would um, guess that it's some sort of tendon issue, potentially a quad tendon issue, which is most affected with kicking. Mm. sort of common in your soccer players and stuff like that a lot. Um, so, um, yeah, I'd say it's some sort of quad tendon issue, but it is, um, and it is interesting because a quad tendon will usually hamper your running a little bit, but it's usually something you can push through. It's more those one-off really explosive movements that do bother it. So I'd guess it's something like that. Normally the most common thing that affects uh, the kickers is a groin, but I haven't heard anything like that. Um, mentioned. So if it's his knee, I'd say it's something like a quad tendon issue. But yeah, it's it's just speculation, really. Okay, nice. Now, yeah. Corbs, last two guys, I'm going to let you take over because they're your guys. Curtis Sirenen, Harry Grant, shoot away, <laughs> mate. Oh, the, the Curtis Sirenen one. I yeah. did, we were laughing last week. Um, we got put onto the daily, the weekly rubdown. And they mm. started calling Curtis Sirin and the ghost because this bloke <laughs> has been out since round two. It was yeah. three to four weeks. Then it was four to six weeks. Then it was yeah. four to six on top of that. He did. There was a photo that I put up in the uh, thread the other day of him sighted <laughs> up in the bubble. So they've yeah. they've taken him up as their 30. And he's been named a couple of times as well. He's been named a couple of times and then taken off the team list. Yeah, that was early in the piece. But yeah, Yeah. I've been waiting for him every team list Tuesday to pop his head. (laughs) This is for more draft um, rather than classic. Yeah, that's right. Would like what are the chances of him? Like, do you know too much about his injury? Because they said he did a hamstring um, at training. Yeah, they said he had a setback. So. First of all, I've got to give a shout out to Jake in our comp. I hope he's listening because uh, I traded him Curtis Sirenen really early on when he got injured <laughs> for, for Kurt Capewell. And, <laughs> and he's just never come back. <laughs> so he's been giving it to me every week. Um, but uh, yeah, so basically what he initially did was a torn meniscus in his knee and they went the slower approach, which is to repair the meniscus rather than just cut out the torn part. So when you repair it, it's a much uh, longer rehab in the short term, but it's better for your knee health in the long term. Um, now, they are very, very finicky, very, very tricky um, surgeries to rehabilitate because the repair um, is very, very um, fragile. 
and the meniscus have very poor blood supply. So if you do anything wrong in that first four weeks, it can set you back quite a long way. So I don't know if he had, it sounds like he must have had a setback with that. Um, and then, yeah, they said that he may have done something else at training a few weeks ago, which was a hamstring. And again, that's quite common after knee surgery because you don't get the hammy back to full strength. You start running and then you wind up with the hammy tear. Um, so I don't know now what's keeping him out more. Is it, I don't know if it's the knee or if it's the hammy. They haven't reported anything in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but those, and I, look, I've got to say that Jake's a physio as well. So I didn't do the sneaky on him. He knows how <laughs> tricky those surgeries are. Um, so but they are very tricky surgeries. They're very risky. It's, it's happened in the NBA as well, where guys get uh, meniscus repairs and they say they're going to be out six weeks and end up being out for four months. Um, and it, it, it's very, very common that they don't do well in the short term. Um, so I don't like the chance, especially the way that um, big uh, Malakatau is playing on that right edge for Manly. I don't like the chances of, of Curtis coming back anytime soon, really, which is a bit disappointing. Yeah, right. Okay, we, he might be going to free agency as of yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> he's broken Corby's heart. He's, yeah, he's yeah, been he's holding in since round two. He, I might as well have a three-person bench that just holding him for no no real reason. Um, yeah. And then there, the last one, Harry Grant with his yeah. Hemi. I mean, mm. I suppose they've got the luxury of, um, with the cheese there, of waiting because he mm. is quite a good player. And that impact off the bench, I, I sort of predicted his role is going to be the 60 minutes. Cheese takes the first 20 and then, yeah, he comes on and plays 60. And he's... Mm. Very explosive, loves his attacking mm. running from dummy half. Mm. How do you see him going forward? Do you think it's a good thing that Stormer, the longer, the better for him with his hamstring? Yeah, definitely the longer, the better for him. Um, you know, in terms of his play performance, in terms of our super coach teams, not so much. But um, yeah. <clears throat> so with those hammies, it's similar to what we said with Tommy at the start of the year. When you have those repeated um, tears of the hamstring, uh, you know, you get the scar tissue build up on scar tissue and they become more and more likely to tear. So you've got to do more and more rehab work um, to get that strength back and to get your high speed running volume back under, uh, back at, sorry, back up to levels that allow you to play, you know, extended minutes. So I, I read somewhere that Tommy's been doing, um, you know, 12 or 13 max effort sprints every week. And that's just to keep his hammies in condition um, so that he's able to do all those high-speed running efforts in the game. So Harry Grant will be doing something similar to that. Um, definitely the longer he's out, the less chance he is of, of re-injury once he comes back. Um, when he did the injury for the second time, we re-heard it, he actually finished the game. So I was sort of optimistic that it wasn't that bad, and they ruled him out of origin straight away. Um, so hopefully it was only sort of a very low-grade low um, sort of retear. Um, he doesn't have too much of those issues with scar tissue and everything else. I will say one thing with him watching the way he sort of, it's like a touch footy style where he, he scoops the ball up from dummy half and runs. And that puts a lot of pressure on your hammies, those first few steps because you're bending over, which puts the hamstring on stretch. And then as you go to take off from that position, that's a really um, tough position for the hamstrings to work under. So the way he sort of scoops and, and goes really quick, um, that definitely puts a lot of pressure on his hammy. So I think they'll be playing it 
smart with him again because they have Brandon Smith there is such a a good replacement. And I do agree with you. I don't think he'll be playing 80 for the rest of the year, unfortunately. I think they'll roll that 50 to 60-minute um, sort of range and um, and keep it like that. Yeah. All right. Mm. Nice. You just crushed Corbs. He's coming in all guns yeah, blazing. Because uh, <laughs> no, I've got Harry, Harry Grant's awesome, but my bench is just walking wounded. Yeah. Um, I've got Harry Grant. I've been carrying Harry Grant all year as well in my super coach in my, uh, my draft side. So. Yeah. Oh, no. Hopefully some of the Terrible. boys aren't listening to this and I can get some spice for him before the finals. <laughs> look, I think, look, the crazy thing with him is that, I mean, there's a couple of games when he played 60 minutes. He had huge games. He had a game where he played 50 minutes. He had a try and like two try assists and a line break. Like he, so I think he can do plenty of damage in 60 minutes. Really, if, if he comes back and plays 60 minutes from round 20 to around 24, you know, for the uh, for the fantasy uh, finals in draft, you know, that last home stretch, I'll be happy. You know, if you play 60 minutes, I'll be happy. I think you'll score well enough um, in 60 minutes. Definitely. Well, Phil, thanks for jumping on the pod tonight, mate. Always great to pick your brains and always great to catch up, always, mate. Always, anytime. Enjoy the rest anytime. of the season and good luck to your fantasy team as well, my man. Thanks, boys. You too. See you, Phil. See you, guys. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate it, mate. We'll catch you again soon. No worries, boys. Yeah, thanks, boys. Anytime. See you, man. See you, See you. Bye. All right. So let's move on, Corby. And uh, what we do, we've had both had very, very impressive fantasy rounds. Let, let's the build up. I'll go first. Yeah. We'll let the build up. Because look at you, you smug bastard. <laughs> I'm like Sini, uh, just I can perform. Um. Yeah, I have my ranking. I'm up to 657 as of... Um, what, nine o'clock right now? Uh, How good is this bloke? <laughs> yeah, uh, one of those, mate. You're I, very I good this I week. I predicted, I remember we were talking last week, I didn't think Turbo or um, Teddy were going to play. Yeah. But DCE caught me out. I was going to loop Beryls and Croker just to see who was going to score better, but I ended up having to play Beryls because my other bloke's Simonson, so... Uh, yeah, got us 1,036, yeah, and moved into the 657. So um, with 250K in the bank, uh, I don't know if I'm actually going to make trades next week. I've got no, we are talking about before, I've got no injuries or no concerns with the judiciary, which is good. Yeah. Um, Who didn't play for you, just DCE? DC, Turbo, Teddy, and Simonson. But I'm keeping Simonson just for a bit of looping. Yeah. So you got three guns. That's the biggest thing that you scored well, halved your rank, moved into the top 1,000 quite comfortably. And captain for feeder. Yeah. I was going to have captain Hines, but I balked and went for feeder. That's the thing moving forward. So I'll just say, so my score was 1,116, and that's the same as me, captaining for feeder, Carrying Sean Johnson and Will Kennedy, who scored 20 each, but everyone else in the team absolutely just exploded. Around the Parramatta gauntlet, like Madison, he was unbelievable on Friday. Nathan Brown as well, Gutho. And I had Moses, I had Turbo, and I said DCE as players that will generally be in my team. Well, they'll be all in my team next week. That will come back. So I've taken 200 off my rank from 266 to 66. Get that screenshot. I might not ever be there again, but it was pleasing. And the thing I think about Cleary being out and everyone having to pick captains and a lot more injuries happening is the leaderboards kind of really just like it is realistically now that people 
Like when I was 266, I was something like 500 points behind the leader. Now I'm only 300 and there's still seven rounds to go. So it is, if I pick the right captains week to week and Cleary doesn't come back, there's probably a good chance that I could make a move into the top 10 if I get shit right. But before, I don't think I could have done that. Yeah, even when Cleary comes back, I'm not convinced that he's going to be the same Cleary. Well, Phil said it himself. Like, there is restrictions still on him. Yeah, but if he knows that that injury, like, re-injury rate's there, and he's just, you're just there to game manage, essentially, he could step back a little bit. Like, we talked about the the unicorn 15 minutes to end a game where he just starts taking it on the line. Will he do that going forward? Yeah, and as they... yeah. As they continue to win, as you brought up on the Tuesday show, like the more they win, the less chance of them risking bringing him back. Because realistically, they're here to win the comp. They're not here to win the minor premiership. They don't care about the minor premiership. Yeah, a few people are like, oh, they'll be back to play Storm round 20. I don't think they'll give two shits if they lose round 20, as long as they have Cleary. For the grand final. Like, if you could pick one game to beat the Storm, is it going to be round 20 or the grand final? Yeah, correct. Yeah, so... So that was good. So we both smashed. I think Andy did quite well too. I think he moved into the top maybe 5,000 from what he was talking about. Yeah, I think RTS hurt him a little bit, but he, he had some um, good scores as well. So yeah, some good green green lines, green arrows for the boys Definitely. moving forward. Definitely. Like you said, I'm probably at a situation, the biggest thing, forget the score, the, the biggest thing I was unscathed with judiciary and injuries when like some some key injuries before we move on to our studs and duds to finish like key injuries out of this week Javid, uh, David Bowen and ACL MCL has got scans HIAs for David Clemmer Dale Finucan Callum Ponger and as you mentioned Roger Tuivasa Shek Jerome Hughes he had a corked calf I reckon he should be okay for next week though George Jennings PCL six to eight weeks which is huge because he's been playing pretty good footy Jack Wyden he's had ribs but he should be back next week and then the two from the Warriors Nathan Brown in his press conference saying that Torhu Harris out for the year ACL and then he's not expecting Wade Egan to also be back at all and he's got a shoulder injury. So a big one, a big one there, Corby. Yes. All right, let's move to our studs and duds to wrap things up, my man. How good is this bloke? Who's your stud for the week? My stud was, let's just have a look, Dehui. My boy. I'm actually, well, I've got Peachy in my centres and, I don't know what's happened with Peachy. He's definitely not the uh, the same center that I purchased when uh, I don't know a few weeks ago. He had a couple of fifties, and then he's just really fallen off the ball. And I like Dewey in six, but then again, he was killing it six last time, and then just got chucked out. Five tries this today. Uh, got the seventy nine fantasy points, one hundred forty seven meters. He, he just seems to be. He only had fifty six kicking meters, but he just seems to be the dominant half. Gets yep. his hands on the ball so much, and he's a real running, attacking um, half. So it had a couple of tackle busts, sort of spread throughout. The five tries were the big one, um, yeah, and then just, yeah, just the goal half, kicking mate, as yeah. well. That's what was really good about Corbs. Like, even though Madge lost his mind this year and put him into the centres, the good thing about that for next year for fantasy is he's going to be tagged as a centre and half because that's the two positions he's only played. He hasn't played wing fullback this year at all. So next year, you'd have to assume that this is probably a trial for him because, you, you know, you mentioned the kick meters. The biggest thing about the Tigers not blending as a half combination was Dewey kicking too much, and he thought he was halfback. Now, Brooks is the dominant kind of kicker, 
and then Dewey's more the dominant ball player, which I think they play a lot better that way. And for us being fantasy coaches next year, can you imagine having a half scoring what he did today and then playing him in the centres? He'll, he'll be expensive, though, because I, I actually don't mind the Tigers' run home. What He he had a break even 62, so he's at 550K, but I see him finishing off the season over well and truly over 600K. Yeah, we could be spending some... When we think Matt Burden's going to be playing the halves next year, too, we could be spending yeah. some money on centres next year. Yeah, the, but if you're guaranteed coin, in those, like, if they're the two guns and you're guaranteed coin, why not? Exactly. All right, my guy, we both love this guy, Nico Hines, 88. One try, eight from eight goals. His goal kicking is going through the roof at the moment. So one line break, four tackle breaks, two try assists, one line break assist, and 89 kick meters. What was really interesting and is the quote from Craig Bellamy when they got he got asked about Pups versus, versus Nico posts, and he said, just to quote him word for word, I don't want to start making plans if we're not going to put those plans into place. Pups is not playing right yet. So when he gets the okay to play, that's when we start making those sorts of decisions. How do you interpret that, Corbs? Yeah, I I just can't. He's going to come off the bench first up, surely. And if they keep winning, I reckon he just stays there. And I can't see him not losing. Like, who's <laughs> going to beat him? I don't know. If they are, they're that far above everyone else. It's not funny. I'm actually, I own Pappenhausen and Hines in draft. And I was sort of bit filthy, and I was like, ah, oh, how up when's Pappy getting back? I'm actually happy just for Heinz. If he keeps killing it, I'll just keep captaining him. So I'm, I've done the full 360, and now I'm back on Heinz. Yeah, and he's a jewel too. But the thing is, the way I interpret that, we're seven weeks out from the finals, and he's nowhere in sight in terms of the team list. Like, and Nico's literally the best player in the NRL right now. I don't think he comes back. Is that the sharky in you saying that? No, I don't think it is. <laughs> Even though I love him, you know what? Melbourne have become my second team, by the way. <laughs> they are so good. Like, seriously, when you watch them play, like Ronnie was, Ronnie texted me yesterday going, he sh- shut off the Knights game because he was finding it boring. And I go, that game was not boring because the, not- the Storm's tries that they were scoring were scintillating. Like, that was so good. Oh, I, I actually do hope Cleary and Luai are back. I, I want someone to take them on, or the Bunnies can play a bit better than today. Oh, but yeah, yeah, I just can't see anyone taking them on. But that's a very interesting quote. So here we, yeah, I just can't see Nico losing his spot. He's so good. It'll be interesting. Uh, interesting one moving forward. We'll see. We'll yeah. See. All right. Let's wrap things up with our duds, Corbs. No, 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 no. Uh, this is sort of there's there's good and bad to this. Tyson Frizzell, we talked up, keep an eye on. Him. We definitely said don't go anywhere near him while he's playing the storm. We had a 86 break even. He only got 35 points. So that's a win because he's going to lose some more coin now. And then they've got the Roosters this week. So I'm guessing his break-even is going to be up there again. It's We, we sort of said any of those Knights players from round 20 on, hopefully Pierce is back. You need Pierce in there for him to thrive and, and Ponga's injuries or head injuries got him back for round 20 as well. Yeah, But yeah, he could be a good little, I don't know, pod moving forward. If you are looking at him, then, yeah, his bad score this week could be actually a, a good thing as well. Yeah, for sure, especially when they get their, their troops back. But my guy, Sean Johnson, had 22. He was, like I said, in a dinner suit, and his mind is elsewhere. I've got no doubt. Nine missed tackles. 
315 kick metres, which is literally half of what he generally does. Didn't goal kick, only 62 metres gained, but just his effort levels and his body language out there did not say that he wanted to be in the bubble at all. So I'm quite concerned about him and the whole team in general. Yeah, mate, he signed his contract. We talked about it. He hadn't signed his contract, was killing it. Once he signed it, the last two weeks, he has been poor. Yeah, I wouldn't surprise if he ends up, because I'm not sure if this is true or not, but there was a media report that said that his wife and kid actually went home to New Zealand already. So the chances of Sean staying in the bubble, especially if he's injured, geez, it, it might get... Like, he's probably the only guy in my team that I want to trade, but I'll only keep him because I don't have many trades left, and they got the dogs this week. But I don't want to disrespect the dogs because they were good tonight. They'll probably pump us next week. But did they send the wrong half over to the war? Oh, not over to to the Warriors though. Maybe because at least Chad's through and through a Sharky man. So that's the only thing. Like, look at Chad Townsend. Like he plays for a team like the Warriors. That you know, I know that he's played for him before, but he doesn't have to be playing right now. He's got a six week injury. Yeah, no, I know. Anyway, SJ, no good. I'm I'm with you on that one. I'd thought he was injured when I saw his score mm. uh, last night. Well, that's the biggest thing. I think uh, in the run on, because I've got so many halves and Burden can play half for my team as well. He's probably the most likely because of his price point and I could probably trade him, but it would have to be nearly this week for a read or I could wait and see how up, because up he came off the bench because of origin and just see how up he kind of bounces back in the next couple of weeks as well. Yeah, well, he, he's sort of the one to go from mine as well. Like I was originally thinking Gutho, but after Gutho's score the other night, I don't think he goes. So the two that I'm sort of looking at is uh, Yapichi and SJ for an upgrade to someone if I can spot someone. And, yeah, that, those couple of hookers um, could be good options as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think the, re- the reason why I probably won't trade him until they decide what they're going to do with Nico Hines at the Storm is the fact that there is a few cheap wing fullbacks that I can downgrade Nico and still upgrade Sean to maybe get a Reed Marnie still. So yeah. you just say, just say in the next three weeks, Nico Hines is shown the the bench. I could either probably pick either a Tedesco or even Latrell, use that money difference to then upgrade a Sean Johnson to probably Reed. Because the, the biggest thing with Reed is you don't want to be too late on the wagon with Reed because his price points are probably just going to keep rising and rising. Well, Pong is another one too. He He's bad scores a win for fantasy. Oh, he's huge. Gonna, Get a bit juicier as well. Especially if you didn't. Remember that? Well, we suggested that you wait, even though we're not saying that, yeah, we called it, we called it. We don't want to be those sort of fellas. But it was good that he scored that because he's break-even. He'd probably lose maybe 80K, you know, Corbs. Yeah, well, he should lose again next week, even if he scores all right. He's bra- oh, his break-even has to be huge now. His break-even next week might be like 120 or something. And they're playing the Roosters, so surely he's not going to go too nuts against them. Yeah, so it could be perfect timing with the week after, I reckon, man. Yeah, some, well, <laughs> we've really got to decide um, with our last few trades. <laughs> we can't get it wrong because we all sitting re- very well, but uh, I'm now on off the top 500. No, you say you should. You've been killing it, my friend. All right. All right, Corby, all good right. show, mate. Thank you for your company. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back on Tuesday night for a regular show and then Wednesday for the short one to buy, hold, sell, and avoid. But Cobbs... Good round, my man. Well done. Well done, TK. Oh, and the punters. So, it, Bob, oh, yeah. two legs up, and bloody Campbell Graham went off for HIA. Filthy.
And then Braden Bird's had like the ball every single set. That's three weeks in a row I've had two legs. We'll be back. We might have, we might have to do a cheeky leg, like just the three leg multi that just involves the dollar tens, just to get our confidence I, up. I think the try scores are annoying me now. I'm just going with the lines and the and the head to heads. Maybe yeah, might go with that strategy this week. We need something on the board. Jeez, we've get that confidence back. Ah, yeah, lot happy. <laughs> All right, ladies All right. and gentlemen, have a good night. We'll catch All you right, Tuesday. Yeah.